Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Baseball Insiders. It's a new week, and the offseason moved along pretty swiftly over the weekend. Uh, in the wake of the big shortstop signings, just one man left on the board, Dansby Swanson, and he went to the Chicago Cubs on Saturday evening uh, on a deal that seemed reasonable by comparison to the other contracts, but certainly feels like a hefty price to pay for a team that is stuck somewhere in the middle. We're going to be cleaning that up, plus the Red Sox and Dodgers swap sluggers. Carlos Radon does go to the Yankees, as many foretold, and the Twins make an interesting bet on Joey Gallo. Robert Murray, as always, is here to help take me through all of this. Fan side, it's MLB Insider and the man behind so many of the scoops we've had in recent weeks, including you were first to uh, the uh, JD and you got credit on ESPN. Uh, Fan side, was credited for that scoop and we thank you. You're the reason you do the hustling. Robert Murray, it's so good to have you on this beautiful Monday. It is so good to have you, too. It is uh, good to be here. Also, it's a little chilly in Scottsdale, Arizona right now. Um, so I'm not used to that. I'm dreading going back to the cold in Wisconsin. But we got a lot to talk about in terms of baseball for agency because it's been pretty active so far. So it uh, might even be more active today. Who knows? Might even be more active today. Uh, hopefully it gets more active before you do fly to Wisconsin. When are you, when are you leaving? Uh, I fly out Christmas Eve and I'm going to go spend about a week, maybe a little bit more uh, with the family back home in Wisconsin. So should be fun. Should be very fun. Hopefully I can unplug for a few days. Hopefully, hopefully, but you never know. And I know that you're not a big, you're not real into unplugging. So who knows if, uh, that's ever going to get to happen. But I wish for the best for you, man. Uh, and you've certainly earned it coming off. Like I said, the JD scoop, JD Martinez to the Los Angeles Dodgers one year. They made their choice over Justin Turner, who pretty much outright replaces Martinez on the Boston Red Sox with, I believe, $22 million guaranteed. You got that weird option, a player option for the second year. But next year, the Dodgers bet on JD and the Sox bet on Turner. What do both teams see in these newfound acquisitions? Yeah, so it, it is not a surprise at all that Justin Turner ended up elsewhere. Like that's been basically the indication that I've gotten um, from most of the offseason is this was going to likely be the result. And that's because um, the Dodgers, they have a bunch of their top prospects coming up, including Vargas, who is one of the best hitting prospects in baseball. Um, and 
now that Turner is elsewhere, JD Martinez is more of a like a DH candidate, and then now Vargas has a clear path to at bats. Um, so that that to me was a big part of the Dodgers' reasoning, and they've even indicated that throughout the offseason was that they wanted to make sure they did not block any of their top young prospects. Um, and Turner, his market was relatively um, active. There was plenty of other teams involved here. Uh, the Miami Marlins were one. Um, but in the last 48 hours or so, there was a ton of buzz connecting Turner to um, Boston. And I thought that was kind of a unique fit because uh, Boston, they just don't seem like a team that's ready to contend this year. Um, or I don't think is going to be in a position in a position to contend, um, but they ended up prioritizing him. Um, they got him. Um, I'm very curious to see how they follow this move up now. But for right now, they have so many former Dodgers in that clubhouse. It's rather rather crazy. They got Turner. They got Kenley Jensen. They got Kike Hernandez. They have uh, Alex Verdugo. I mean, they have plenty of other guys. So it's basically like the Dodgers of the East. And Kike Hernandez was excited, uh, to say the least, about Turner joining the Sox. He's a high-character guy. He had a red-hot second half of last season that dragged his numbers from the first half up quite a bit. But he is 38 years old. At a certain point, these players start to look 38 years old. And so you wonder what it means for the Red Sox, especially because last offseason they signed Trevor Story. And they tell us, you know, that's not a Xander Bogart's replacement. Xander recruited him. It's all just part of the process. And then, lo and behold, he's a Xander Bogart's replacement this year. Turner, they're saying the same things. You know, oh, DH, leadership, credible bat, hot second half. But they're in this weird place with Rafael Devers and his contract. Do you think there's a part of Boston ownership that sort of looks at Turner and says, next year he might be our third baseman? if not sooner. Uh, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe you can plan for like the contingency of all contingencies, but I don't think so personally. Like it also wouldn't surprise me either if Turner ended up playing some first base there, because there was a lot of these teams that were um, that were in the mix for Turner that looked at him as a first baseman. Um, So I think that certainly could make sense for them, especially after they designated Eric Hosmer for assignment, um, which kind of really, I don't know. Like, I thought they might try to trade him, um, and I, it sounds like they did shop him, but um, ultimately they wanted to do right by him and allow him to hit the open market so he had the chance to choose his, um, choose his own destination. But um, I don't know, just a really – I've said this before on this podcast, but it's been a really weird offseason for the Red Sox so far. I'm very curious to see what exactly they do to try to recover and try to bounce back from this. Um, but I, I don't know if there's a clear way for them to do that, at least this offseason. So it's been like it's been pretty easy to make or like make Heim Bloom a, a punching bag in this scenario. Um, but I think ownership there deserves a lot of the play. I know Ken Rosenthal wrote about it earlier, but he's spot on. It's not not just Heim Bloom. It's there's it's it's an ownership thing with them. Yeah, and at this point, it's not just the locals, and it's not just the fans of other organizations in the AL East that maybe want to take pot shots at the Red Sox. It's the Ken Rosenthal types who are writing these, you know, long columns, both taking ownership to task, telling people, you know, it's not just the high and bloom thing, but that everything does seem sort of directionless right now. And that does come out alongside the June Lee report 
that the Sox and Rafael Devers camp are in different galaxies when it comes to planning for an extension, the rumors, the reports, and that Devers people are planning for him to hit free agency this offseason after the 2023 season. Are you hearing similar rumblings about the way those talks are going? Yeah, all I know is, is that nothing's close right now. Um, and I trust June Lee wholeheartedly. He's got connections up and down that Boston organization. So, like, um, if he says something about Boston, I, I take it to it's it's as good as gold. Um, and I'll tell you that, like, right now, even with how the last couple off seasons have played out for Boston, um, especially losing Xander Bogarts. But if you lose Bogarts and then immediately lose Rafael Devers after that. That's tough. That's that's really really tough. Um, I, the Red Sox. If if I was running the show in Boston, I would do everything in my power to ensure that Rafael Devers is a Red Sox for life. Um, and I mean, if they end up losing him, that, man, I'll, I'm telling you that <laughs> that would be really really tough. So. Um, I don't know. Like right now, it's it's too early in the contest to say whether or not that is going to happen. But um, at this stage of how things have played out in Boston, you can't rule anything out. And the thing about having all the power in the world to make Rafael Devers a Red Sox for life is that they hold that power right now. They are the ones who the ball is in their court. There's nothing else they can do. Um, and no one else can possibly touch their offer. What about Martinez uh, and that fit in L.A.? Do you see that as an upgrade now that he gets to reunite with Robert Von Skoyak, uh, his hitting guru in Los Angeles? Uh, you said the, fra- the relationship with Turner was basically fractured. Do you feel like a one-year bounce back on, uh, on J.D. is sort of a nice fit for that Dodgers roster? Well, I, I don't know about the, the Turner relationship with the Dodgers. Um, I think that might have been somebody else's reporting there um, on the fractured relationship, but... Um, I do think that um, J.D. Martinez is going to end up being a, a really solid bat for for L.A. Because um, he's he's only a couple of years removed from hitting 30-plus, even 40-plus homers. Um, and, I mean, reunite him with the guy who basically rejuvenated his career. Um, I, I think that can only be good things. And also, the fact that they got him for only one year for $10 million, to me, is a really good gamble. It's a smart gamble. Because as you said, the hitting coach has a relationship with him. So it's you're not going to be surprised by what you get here with J.D. Martinez. And plus, he's a proven veteran, um, fills your DH hole. And as I mentioned before, it allows Vargas to get consistent at bats when he's eventually brought up to the majors. Um, It's been a a unique offseason from the Dodgers' perspective just because they haven't gone after and gotten that big fish. Like they lurked on Dansby Swanson, but to my knowledge – that was a long shot at best. Um, but like they got Noah Syndergaard on a, a pretty nice contract. Like I think one year for about 13 ish million. Um, I think that was a smart gamble by them. Low risk. He turned down Luke, more lucrative offers elsewhere. Um, so it's, it's not been like the prototypical kind of off season for them, but Syndergaard for that rotation, the upside there is undeniable. Um, and then J.D. Martinez, who knows, maybe he can be a 20-plus home run guy again. So, I, I, as I said, like I, I think it's a smart signing for them. Dansby Swanson, not a Dodger. Dansby Swanson, also not a twin. 
the Minnesota Twins had to pivot, losing Dansby Swanson to the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the Twins come up short on Carlos Rodon. They come up short on Dansby. And they do guarantee more millions of dollars to Joey Gallo than what J.D. Martinez is making in L.A. We'll talk about that in a bit. But the Cubs are the ultimate winners of the Swanson sweepstakes. The last man standing of the shortstop musical chairs ends up getting a pretty large deal coming off a career year, but not the bank breaker that Xander Bogarts uh, gained just about a week or so ago. Where do you land on this Cubs-Swanson fit, which has been in the works for quite a while? Yeah, this one to me makes all the sense in the world for both sides. Is It sounds like Swanson wanted to be a Cub. Um, of all the destinations that he had, I think um, the Twins made a competitive offer there. Um, but Swanson to the Cubs made a whole lot of sense. As they needed a shortstop long-term. They've been looking for one. They dabbled in that market last year, but we're – I think in a better, more serious position to add one of those big players this offseason. Um, I didn't think a guy like Carlos Correa was going to end up there just from the price standpoint, but Swanson made all the sense in the world. Plus his his wife plays soccer professionally there too. So it allows those two to be closer. Um, and even for the price too, like you, you look at 177 million. Yeah. That's a little bit more than what I was expecting going into the offseason. But what would you rather have? Would you rather have Dansby Swanson for 177 million, or would you rather have Xander Bogarts for 280? To me, that would end up being a case where I'd want I'd want Swanson. Um, and in addition, like he's coming off of one of his best, actually his best offensive seasons of his career. Um, and there's there's certainly upside with that bat. But what he's mostly known for is his defense. And you pair him with Nico Horner, who's probably moving to second base. You're looking at the best middle infield defense in baseball. And you pair that with a rotation that should be better, um, is going to get Drew Smiley back once they finalize this contract. And then you also have Jamison Tyone, who they just announced today. Like, you got yourselves the makings of a pretty good-looking team right there. And there's more moves to be made, of course. Like, they're still looking at a catcher, um, and they're looking at a few different options there. Um, Tucker Barnhart included. Um, but like so far to me, this has been a very strong start to the off season for Jed Hoyer. Um, Cubs fans put a lot of pressure on him and rightfully so, because he made it clear that they had money to spend. And so far he's, he's delivered. That's my question is just what exactly are the Cubs? Like I like the Swanson fit too. I like Horner's emergence. You lose Wilson Contreras and you're looking to fill that hole, but Tyone and Stroman, it's a lot of spending for the middle of that rotation. Uh, Seiya Suzuki is a big expenditure. Ian Happ is going to hit free agency next offseason. Do they think they're contending for a playoff berth this year? They're going to keep guys like Happ. They're going to keep this group intact. Can Happ still be picked off by teams who need an outfielder? I mean, is this is obviously a multi-year project for the Cubs, but are they sort of all in on 2023 as well? I wouldn't say they're all in on 2023. I think what they've done is they've built a, a team that's going to be sustainable to win. Um, and like, if you look at some of the guys that are coming up here that they have specifically in center field, I've heard amazing things from Scott's about Pete Crow Armstrong. Like that is, he's going to be one, probably one of the best center fielders in baseball. If he does uh, reach his potential or maximize his potential. Um, and there's other players surrounding that team too. Matt Mervis is another one. Like they have pieces that 
are going to be foundational pieces for them. And then they also have players like Dansby Swanson and others who like raise the, the talent floor on that major league level or on that major league team to the point where I do think at the end of the year, they have a very decent chance of competing for at least a wild card spot. Um, but I, I'm hesitant to put them in the Cardinals or Brewers category just because uh, we haven't seen them do it quite yet. And the Braves are the team that is losing Swanson, right? They are uh, a team that back-to-back years has lost a cornerstone piece, a homegrown type. Freddie Freeman, obviously, straight from their farm system. Dansby Swanson acquired at a young age. But these are people we pretty heavily associate with both Georgia and the Braves. Last year, they had Matt Olson locked and loaded to immediately slot into that Freeman spot. This year, not so much. There's no high-dollar shortstop. There has not been a blockbuster trade there yet other than clearing William Contreras out, bringing Sean Murphy in. How do the Braves regroup after losing a player like Swanson? So this is a a position that I think the Cubs or that the Braves knew that they were going to be in at some point because it did not seem likely that they were ever going to meet the asking price for Swanson Um, because it was clear. I think there was a report from Mark Bowman that their last or one of their final offers was like six years for 102 million, which in the grand scheme of things was a year and 75 million short. Um, So that would indicate there was a pretty sizable gap in negotiation so you know how Alex Anthopoulos is. That guy does not sleep. He thinks of every scenario under the sun. Um, and I'm sure he's probably considered some of the options on the free agent market. Because if you look, you have Gene Segura, who's still available. They know him because he was in Philadelphia last year. Um, you could also look at the trade market like a guy like Isaiah kiner Falefa from New York um, certainly could be available. I think if if they had it their way, uh, Willie Adamas would probably be atop their um, atop their wish list, but every indication I've gotten is the Brewers they're not they're not entertaining that one right now. Um, so it can basically cross that one off your wish list. But um, this is not going to be as easy it was or as easy as it was last year when the dot or when the Braves ended up trying to replace Freddie Freeman. Like they had Matt Olson who was readily available in Oakland, traded for him and then extended him. Um, there's no clear cut top option. Um, at shortstop this year. So I'm curious to see what Anthopolis does, but they have internally, they have Vaughn Grisham, but I'm sure, I mean, if they had it their way, I'm sure they probably try to add another player there too. Just so they were like, they had an insurance policy. What about the Minnesota twins who I think we could agree are in a worse place roster wise than the Atlanta Braves. Uh, They were supposedly swimming in the Swanson waters. Didn't make it happen. Pursued Carlos Rodon, we heard, came up short to the Yankees. Gave Joey Gallo that $11 million for one year. You trying to trade him at the deadline? You really, you want Joey Gallo long-term? The Twins have decided to be the, you know, way station for Gallo's potential bounce back. What exactly is that team's plan? And and how do they recover and fill the hole that a big ticket free agent might have filled for them, but now there aren't really many available? Yeah, it's unique for the Twins um, because I I think if they had it their way, they would end up with either Correa or Dansby Swanson. Like, as I said before, they did make a competitive offer for Swanson. Like, I've heard terms there, but they're not confirmed. But, like, it was was certainly very competitive um, if these terms are indeed correct. Um, 
but they can go in a number of different ways. They could try to continue to bolster the offense. They could try to trade for a shortstop. Um, they could try to add a frontline starting pitcher. Like um, I think they're another one of those teams that have kicked the tires on Nathan Eovaldi, but I don't necessarily know how likely that is. Um, or maybe they try on, a, on a, another starting pitcher because um, they've been looking for another starting pitcher for a while now. Or there's even been rumblings that they could trade off of their major league roster. You could look at Max Kepler, especially with the Joy Gallo edition as a likely trade candidate. I think the New York Yankees make a whole lot of sense there. I also think, and hopefully obviously a burner's on here for this, that the Tampa Bay Rays could make a lot of sense. Um, there has been rumblings about even like Sonny Gray um, possibly being a trade candidate. I'm sure that he could end up being uh, somebody that teams covered, especially like, and this is something that I've also talked about with other executives is you look at Sonny Gray's remaining contract. I can't remember the exact terms off the top of my head, but like it's affordable. Um, you look at Carlos Carrasco, he's got one year and 14 million left, like compared to the other starting pitchers on the free agent market. Like those are, we're looking at two like decent contracts from a team perspective. So I wonder if that could inflate the value in a potential trade package, but um, certainly I wouldn't be surprised if teams are checking in on Sonny Gray, but very interesting off season for the twins already, but might get even more interesting. I'm just, I'm very curious to see what their next move is. And they're going to need to get that frontline starting pitcher type. Uh, Nathan Avaldi seems like uh, maybe the tire kicking champion of the off season, everybody kicking their tires on him. Nobody making the move and, and opening the car door and walking on it. The tires are fine. You guys should just sign Nathan Avaldi. Uh, but the Twins are pivoting to Evaldi, maybe, because they did come up second, we heard, for Carlos Rodon, who we talked about the Yankees. We had that connection going for weeks, and the deal went down between episodes of this show. He has given the Yankees a top, top-tier rotation. Uh, right now, it's Garrett Cole, Rodon, Severino, Nestor Cortez, Frankie Montas, do all five of those guys survive to opening day? Are the Yankees having any conversations about the guys who are going to walk after this year, Severino Montas? Are they trying to trade from a position of strength maybe, or are we just going to go into opening day with an all-star in the five spot of the New York Yankees rotation? You know, I wouldn't rule it out because um, the, the Yankees clearly wanted to add another frontline starting pitcher. And if let's say a guy like Frankie Montas ends up staying healthy, like you're looking at a just a dynamic trio in in Montas, you have um, Garrett Cole, and then Carlos Rodon, and then Severino to me is one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. And you have Nasty Nestor with that mustache, like an absolute G. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I've been a Nestor Cortez fan for years. I remember um, being in the Brewers clubhouse years ago and having Gio Gonzalez tell me like, "Watch out for this guy." Like. Um, cause he and, and Cortez are really close. Um, and lo and behold, he was right. But I do think that the Yankees, um, have a, a very good chance of keeping all those guys and it let's, okay, here's another one too, is they traded a good amount of talent to acquire Frankie Montas, like trading him now coming off the injury when his value is going to be pretty, pretty low. Um, like, I just don't know if. Um, I just don't, I don't see the Yankees doing that, um, or trading Montas, I should see, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but I just don't see them being in that position right now. 
what do you see personally for the uh, Rhode Island New York fit? Because I know a lot of people feel like, yeah, the rotation performed well last year. Yeah, it got them to 99 wins. It wasn't a weakness, but the difference of having that bulldog in Rodon behind Cole who craves New York feels pretty monumental and really has me sort of juggling the Yankees and Mets in terms of like, which rotation do I want? Because both are pretty appealing right now. Yeah, no, they, they most definitely are appealing. And I'll tell you that that fit for Rodon in New York, I've had people telling me that all offseason is that would be a really good fit for him in both New York as well. And lo and behold, it ended up happening. I'm I'm very high on the Yankees' chances here, Adam. Like I think they're in a chance they're in a a position right now where if they add another bat, um they're they're capable of doing some really good things here. And obviously the Astros are they're going to be competitive because it's the Houston Astros. They just seem like they're always in a place of being competitive. But um the, that Carlos Rodon addition, if he stays healthy, to me, he's the best left-handed pitcher in baseball. You add him to that line, or you add him to that rotation. You obviously retain Judge. Um, you bolster the bullpen in a little, and with the Tommy Canley addition, um, they're not done. But like, I, I know I'm I'm playing the Adams hand here because you know, he's this is his beloved Yankees, but um, I, I'm liking what they're doing. And also to answer Mark Paul's question, I will not grow that Nestor Cortez mustache because, frankly, I cannot grow facial hair. So that is that is tough scenes for me. Breaking, uh, yeah, Mark, I'll I'll grow it for you, man. I, I will, I promise. Um, yeah, I, I'm enjoying the Yankees' direction too. I gotta say, uh, coming off a pretty devastating series sweep at the hands of the in flames Houston Astros, uh, it's fair to enter the offseason disappointed, and this roster is now better than it was when they left that Astros series whose rotation are you taking right now the the Mets or the Yankees it's it's tough you've got obviously Scherzer and Verlander at the top are horses you can't argue with but Senga Quintana versus Severino Cortez I mean it's it's tough there there's some big names throughout here there's some very big names I I don't even want to choose one because like they're both extremely good, just in different ways. Um, man, that's Adam. That's tough. Like, give me, um, if I had to choose one, I, I would take the Mets and I'm probably going to get ripped by Yankees fans for this, but like the upside of Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander when they're both healthy is undeniable. And that's not a shot at Cole or Rodon. That just, me being appreciative of how good Scherzer and um, Verlander are. So give me those two, but like I would, I would absolutely take any of those rotations and I, I would not hesitate. Like they're, those are probably the two best rotations in baseball. And here's obviously a burner right on cue asking us to show some love to uh, McClanahan and the rest of the Tampa Bay Rays. Hey, I, I mentioned you earlier, obviously a burner. Hey, I, I gave your Ray some love. He's here. He's here, though. We I, we weren't sure he was here, and he is. Yeah, we, we appreciate you. A, a very loyal listener. That's that's our guy, Mr. Obviously a Burner, who we want. still have not figured out who he is the Burner for, but he is obviously a Burner for somebody. It's so obvious he's a Burner. It's right there in the name. And uh, maybe on the series finale, he'll be willing to, to come through and, and give us some more information. You mentioned the Yankees are not done, yep. in part because left field is a gaping black hole. 
because Andrew Benintendi is a member of the Chicago White Sox now. Questions were whether he would get five years somewhere or if he might walk back to the Yankees on a three-year deal. Question answered by the Chicago White Sox, who went five years and $75 million. A lot of money, a lot of time to commit to Andrew Benintendi. What exactly was this play about for the White Sox, and what does it do for them? Yeah, they um... – Sorry, <laughs> this is another one where I'm waiting on a potential scoop text. So having my phone ding is kind of distracting. So I apologize. Scoop text. Scoop that text. One. That was not the scoop text. Um, mm. I, I wish it was. Um, but I'll tell you that Ben Benintendi contract threw me for a loop. I didn't expect him to get five years. I didn't know what team it would be that gave him that that kind of a contract. Um, but I, when the terms eventually came out, I had – a very high ranking rival executive texted me, holy shit, that Ben Benintendi deal, AKA they, they thought it was a, a lot more than they were willing to pay. Um, but the White Sox, they also were a team that needed to spend. Like they have had this young nucleus of talent that they have not been able to maximize under Tony La Russa, that ultimately they ended up um, – they ultimately ended up firing Larissa and went with a different manager. Um, so hopefully for them, um, like if they like they think Ben and Tenya could end up being a guy that um, maximizes um, or like helps them maximize this window that they have now and puts them into playoff contention. But to me, they still have more to go. Um, I'm curious to see. Like, there's been obviously these Liam Hendricks rumors that have gone around. I think it's more listening than shopping. I don't even think they're shopping. I think it's just straight up listening. Um, if they're able to trade him for, let's say a different bat uh, to upgrade that lineup, I think that's something that, I don't know, I would support it if I was them. Um, there's a lot of different ways they can go. They should not be done by any means. Um, but Ben and Tenney and Clevenger is a good start, but um, I hope they do more because that, that young talent on that team there's not many teams that can match that. Yeah, too many people seem to have forgotten because of how weird 2022 was, but they were the ascendant team getting their playoff sea legs in 2021. Everybody sort of knew they'd lose to the Astros, but could forgive losing to the Astros in the DS as long as they look competitive. They got it home. They got it to game four. They got a win. And then last year, just a complete mess. So you want to take advantage of Tim Anderson while he's there. He might be entering free agency in a week or shortstop class. Maybe he ends up leaving. This is a huge year for Chicago, and they really shouldn't be done and, and can't be done. What about that left field hole in New York? Who, who plays left field for the Yankees in 2023? The options are strange. You got fans in New York looking in Arizona at Dalton Varsho and Jake McCarthy, obviously eyeing Kepler. You hear Seth Brown get thrown around. You hear Austin Meadows get thrown around. Yankee fans looking like Charlie Day at the cork board, just piecing conspiracies together. Who do you think is, is going to be in left field for the Yankees next year? So I, I definitely don't have a name for you, like in terms of who is going to be out there. But I think the names that you ended up mentioning um, are, are sound ones. Um, Max Kepler, I think, um, certainly makes sense there, especially with him. Um, being a very likely trade candidate in Minnesota. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Seth Brown. That is one that I don't know how many people have um, 
Wait, hang on. Did Jalen Hurts just break his collarbone? Uh, hold on now. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, my dad just texted me about that. Um, I'll, I'll dive. Yeah, but um, Seth Brown is a, a very under the radar one um, in terms of like he's cheap. He's got good power. And Oakland is a team that the Yankees have um, have a history of making deals with. Obviously, look at um, the, the Frankie Montas deal last year. Um, so certainly like, um, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I don't know of anything close at the moment, but I think all the names that you had mentioned make a whole lot of sense, um, for the Yankees. And I'm sure they're going to add one because Ben and was somebody that they liked. They tried to retain him, but they just were not willing to go to the lengths that the White Sox did to sign him. I'm looking up the, uh, Jalen Hurts collarbone thing. Oh, a person I've never heard of has a tweet that says Jalen Hurts likely has a broken collarbone, which will end his regular season per source. No one else is saying this. And I believe this is a paid for verified check. Well, I would, uh, probably, that, would yeah. that would not be one I would want to find out on the Baseball Insiders. No, that is a Twitter blue subscriber. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who this person is. Uh, but I do not think that that is, I don't know, not seen it anywhere else, but I'll, I'll make sure you find out off air if that is real. Yeah, that would, that would not be good. That would be, you would see grown man tears in this podcast and that would go viral and I would not want to, yeah, I would not want to, yeah, I don't want to have that happen. So no, we'll, we'll cut the feed. Everybody talking about the betting line in the, uh, in the mentions. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just be, I'm surprised that Dallas is favored in that considering they're now so statistically unlikely to take over the NFC East. But enough about the football insiders. Uh, we'll keep you all posted there. Uh, before we wrap, anything else to empty the notebook on? Got a couple of names who just, I feel like we're not hearing that much about their markets, or at least realistically. Seth Lugo finally made his decision today between the Padres and Dodgers. He is going to be a starter, by all accounts, for San Diego. Any feelings on, on that pursuit? Yeah, so in in terms of Seth Lugo, like it was ultimately between the Dodgers and the Padres. I believe like the Phillies and the Tigers were like on the periphery there. Um, I think it was, I think it was the Tigers at least, um, but there was a fourth team in there. Um, but the Padres all along were offering a multi year deal, and I think that was really intriguing. Um, for Lugo and two years for 15 million, if he accepts a player option is certainly a good price for both sides, um, allows him the chance to start. And there's also incentives in case he does relief for them. Um, like it is um, like, I would not also be surprised if the Padres still try to add another starting pitcher. Um, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't rule it out. I don't think it's a guarantee but I wouldn't rule it out. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Few other names that I'm eyeing that I'm just wondering. This is the tier free agency we're dealing with right now. Joey Gallo jumped all these people and signed first. Congrats to him. Uh, but we're still looking for new homes for Brandon Drury and Michael Conforto. Uh, people in the comments asking about Conforto. Uh, what's the latest that you're hearing on both on the markets for both of those guys? And, and when can we maybe expect some momentum? So Drury's market is active, as Jeff Passan reported yesterday. I think there is going to be an abundance of teams that could possibly be in. Um, I, I think Padres make sense. I think 
the Angels make sense. I think the Brewers make sense. Um, cause I, I, the Brewers have had interest in Drury. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't think that's the most likely option for, for Drury. Um, but like, it, it would not be surprising if he landed like a, a decent multi-year contract, possibly two or three years. Um, but Conforto is an interesting one because he's coming off of last season in which he did not play. Um, and like, Maybe like Scott Boris even said on the record that he's a candidate for a one-year contract. Um, so like possibly some teams end, end, ends up dabbling there and gives him like a healthy AAV. I don't know what that healthy would look like. It's he's got one of the more confusing free agencies of the entire off season, just cause like we don't know where he is health wise. We also don't know where um, like, we, we just don't know a lot about him. So um, he's more of a question mark for me than anything at this point. Well, that question mark will hopefully be answered in the days to come. That's it for this edition of the Baseball Insiders. Big moves at the end of last week, giving way to the Tier 2 free agents now and moving forward. But let's get the trade market heating up. Uh, You know, who wants to see a trade on Christmas? Maybe not Robert, who's going to be home in Wisconsin, but certainly me. I'd like to see some trades maybe a couple days after. December 26th feels like fertile ground for trades. Let's, Let's get some movement. Come on. I'm hoping so. Like I'll tell well, not on Christmas, but like I want the trade market is going to heat up at some point. Like, especially with all these options like dwindling off of the fridge market, like the trade market is bound to heat up at some point. But um I thought the Sean Murphy one might get it going a little bit, but it's been crickets ever since. I mean, unless you want to count um that small trade that the Pirates and the Rockies made yesterday. Um, but like I do. Yeah, Connor <laughs> Joe, uh, Connor Joe going back to Altoona where he belongs. Congrats on that long-awaited reunion. Uh, people asking about the the Pirates pitching. I mean, I I I, I don't want to promise them the good news, but it, are they done after Vince Velasquez? Is that, is that the end of the line for them? Um, I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, I I don't think it's going to be be anything earth-shattering in Pittsburgh. Um. But I, I don't think it's going to be in a big move by anything or by any means. I thought I wasn't a fan of the Austin Hedges move for five million. Um, like obviously his his defense is is really good behind the plate, but offensively he's like he's not a very good option there. Um, and um, yeah, it's like I don't know. I, I thought they could have gone in a different direction, like a um, like a Kirk Casale or a Tucker Barnhart for cheaper. Um, but yeah, I wasn't a fan of that one. Yeah, you never want to guarantee the five and a half million to the guy who's sort of the oh, we can get him out guy in a playoff lineup, which Austin Hedges, good ball player, but was definitely that with the Guardians. Well, this is the final episode of the Baseball Insiders till post holiday, but there's no better time to subscribe to the channel. Give us a like, smash all the buttons you can. We're here to break scoops. Uh, somebody in the comments was saying that me yelling scoop text should be your ringtone. I feel like that's pretty annoying. I feel like you're going to want to keep that ding. But if you do want me to record it off air, I could send you the clip. Um, but until next time, we're going to be gathering scoops specifically, Robert. He's going to be tweeting out everything he's got. Uh, but this is the place to be, whether you're live on YouTube with us, 3.30 Eastern Mondays and Thursdays or you grab the audio feed on Spotify and all podcast platforms. We're happy you're here with us. Robert Murray, thanks as always for talking us through this wild offseason. 
I appreciate you having me as always. Thank you for being here, Adam, and for putting up with me as, as always. And hopefully this Jalen Hurts thing isn't too bad. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's pray it's not serious. But um, everybody, have a great holiday. Um, I hope you spend some awesome time with your family. Please subscribe, by the way. That's always very helpful. Um, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you after the holiday. And thank you again for tuning in. While spending time with your family, just hit subscribe. Tell your family to hit subscribe. Tell your aunt and uncle to hit subscribe. Little cousins, I'm sure they're on YouTube all the time. Just be hitting subscribe all the time. It's a fair way to go through life. Until next time, I'm Adam Weider for our insider, Robert Murray. Have a happy holiday, everyone. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.